Today's Bible reading is from the book of Proverbs. This is chapter 18, verse 2. Fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. Chapter 26, verse 12. Do you see a person wise in their own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for them. Chapter 13, verse 1. A wise son heeds his father's instruction, but a mocker does not respond to rebukes. Chapter 21, verse 4. Haughty eyes and a proud heart, the unplowed field of the wicked, produce sin. Chapter 16, verse 5. The Lord detests all the proud of heart. Be sure of this, they will not go unpunished. Chapter 16, verse 18 to 19. Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Better to be lowly in spirit, along with the oppressed, than to share plunder with the proud. Chapter 20, verse 5. The purposes of a person's heart are deep waters, but one who has insight draws them out. Chapter 1, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Chapter 22, verse 4. Humility is the fear of the Lord. Its wages are riches and honour and life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, thanks very much, Long family, for leading us in intercession. Um, if uh, it, It's hard to have the Bibles out and go through all of it, um, but I, I'll highlight a few um, on the screen. But let's pray that God will speak to us, to us today. Lord, we thank you for your word, um, that it's living and active, sharper than two edged sword. And Lord, we pray that now your word will shape our hearts. Lord, help us to see your greatness and help us to see our smallness, that we might live to praise you. We might live to glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have you heard of the seven deadly sins? It's, uh, there are seven sins that the church has highlighted as particularly serious. Uh, they're pride, greed, wrath, envy, lust, gluttony, and sloth. And all these seven, in most lists, pride comes first. And not just that, there is a list of sins that God hates in Proverbs. It's actually in Proverbs 6, uh, 16 to 19. There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, a hands uh, that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. A haughty eyes, a haughty eyes that looks down on other people. Pride, God hates, God detests. Pride is deadly, and you might say that actually it has caused all these other sins. 
Satan's pride led him to rebel against God and Adam and Eve. Well, they went to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil to wanted to determine what is right and wrong for themselves because they wanted to be like God, forgetting that they are already like God. They wanted to be like God. It was their pride that led them to the tree. And it's the pride of us that continue uh, for uh, uh, the pride that drives us to rebel against God, to defy him to try to do what is right in our own eyes and not in God's eyes. And Lord detests proud hearts. But how do we know if we're proud? Because actually, uh, proud people can sincerely believe that they are really humble. Remember uh, the, the Pharisee in Luke chapter 18. He looks at all these other sinners and he goes, God, I thank you that I am not like these people. I am not like these people. I mean, he's completely blinded by pride. He doesn't see uh, his sins, uh, the self-righteousness that makes him unbearable. He can't see that. People who are proud sometimes are sincere. They sincerely believe that they are humble. Well, how do we know then that we are proud? Well, in order to diagnose the disease, we need to look at its symptoms carefully. Thankfully, the book of Proverbs has a lot to say about pride. And one main symptom is this. Pride makes everything about me. Pride makes all situations about me. Take a look at 18 verse 2. Fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinion. Even in a conversation with other people, no matter what the topic of the conversation is, really, the proud person is thinking about what he wants to say. Because he delights in airing his opinion. He's thinking about himself. He's lost in his own thoughts. And part of the reason why is because pride is essentially competitive. right? It doesn't matter what, what the topic is. He just wants to win. In the conversation, he wants to come out as the most smart or uh, funny or, uh, or um, uh, uh, yeah, most interesting person. Because that conversation for the proud is not about whatever the topic is. It's about himself. You see, pride makes everything about him. Take another. Proverbs 13, 10. Where there is strife, there is pride. But wisdom is found in those who take advice. Well, why can't a proud person take advice? Why does he fight the person giving the advice? Well, because he's saying, when somebody gives advice to a proud person, he says, who are you to tell me about these things? Right? It's about him. His pride is offended. And I've done this myself. Sometimes, actually, people come up to me and tell me how I could preach better. And at the back of my mind, I have said to myself, look, I mean, who are you to tell me, really, now what, how I should preach? Right? I mean, I, I do this for a living. Right? I probably do it better than you. You see what I've done? Well, this person is help, try, wants to help me to see what I've done wrong. But actually, I've made the conversation about me about me because that's what pride does it flips everything around and makes it about the person about the person's pride how often do you do this you know when a friend maybe wins an academic prize is the first thought in your mind why wasn't i recognized well i'm a pre-ed student 
You see how envy is a cousin of pride because it, it, it's thinking too much about, about the self. And ironically, low self-esteem, having a low self-esteem actually is a form of pride because self-pity comes when we think that we deserve more, that we're not getting what we deserved. It's inability to escape ourselves, thinking about ourselves. It's a problem of pride. So friends, how much do you think about yourself? How much do you flip the situation around to think about you, where you are in the world? Because pride does that. And proud are therefore also unteachable. Unteachable, 13.1. A wise son heeds his father's instruction, but a mocker does not respond to rebuke. Or 15.12. Mockers resent correction, so they avoid the wise. Proud people don't uh, respond to rebuke because they don't think they've done anything wrong. When things go wrong, actually they blame other people. They avoid the wise because they don't like being corrected. I wonder if you can learn from others. I wonder if you can learn from everybody. You know, I had a privilege of studying uh, with the expert in, the his in, in, history, of, uh, in history of Christianity, expert of history of Christianity in America, Dr. Noel, Dr. Mark Noel. He's still one of the most humble people that I've met. And I'll tell you why I, I got that impression of him. Because it was because he really valued listening to people like me. That everybody that he talked to, even though he's the preeminent authority on the topic, he approached everyone or everybody, everybody, even undergrads who he gave projects to as sort of like colleagues that he can learn from. When we presented, he made us feel like we could teach him something. That's humility, isn't it? To be able to approach every conversation and try to learn from the person that he's speaking to. Do you really listen? What's your attitude when you go into your links group? Do you just want to air out your own opinion? And you, do you delight in airing out your opinion? Or are you there to listen to others in the group, to learn from others, to value others' thoughts? And actually, if you don't belong to, to a group, could that be, could one of the reasons be that you're too proud? You don't think others have much to teach you. Pride also makes a person unable to live in community in this way. 22.10, drive out the mocker and out goes the strife and quarrels and insults are ended. 24.9, the schemes of folly are sin and people detest a mocker. When a proud person is slighted or they don't get their way, they cause fights, they fight. If they don't fight, they cause division by whispering murmurs of discontent. You know, people leave churches and people leave communities because they didn't get their way, because they see themselves, their ego is somehow bigger than the mission of the church. That often happens. How many breakup of the church have you seen? Friends, pride does make living in a community difficult. It does. And that's why, again and again, in the New Testament, when it talks about the church, the first thing that it says, I mean, Ephesians or Romans or other places, 1 Peter 5, it says, clothe yourselves with humility, because humility is the necessary prerequisite for us to be able to do community together. Clothe yourselves with humility. 
how has your pride caused strife, division in your community, in your workplace? How could pride be the cause of, of you not wanting to belong to a community that you actually prefer to do things alone, solo, on your own? Many, many people, many Asians think that pride is more of a problem for maybe those self-promoting Americans, um, not humble Asians. After all, many Asians have grown up being drilled about being modest and humble. And by the way, if you're an American listening to this, you know, I consider myself an American when it's convenient um, for me. Um, and I just want you to know that uh, your, your self-confidence is valued, and we want to learn from your experience. Uh, thanks for joining us. But there is a scene, you might know the movie, uh, from Joey Luck Club, um, that highlights actually how this is a problem for all of us, including Asians. Right? In a family dinner, an elderly Chinese woman brings out a carefully cooked dish. It's, it's, it's fish. Of course, she has to be modest. So as she brings it out, everybody sort of is wowing. And uh, she says, uh, she brings it out and she says, ah, you know, this is, this, it, it didn't come out the way that I wanted it to. It's a, it has no flavor. It's, it's a bit bland. Of course, everybody's supposed to go taste it and go, wow, actually, this is amazing. You've done nothing wrong. This is the best dish. But actually, uh, there is a... Um, Caucasian guest um, at the table who doesn't understand what's going on. And so he goes, he listens to this, and he takes a bite of the fish, and he goes, oh, there's, you know, it just needs a little soy sauce. And he douses the whole thing uh, with great amount of soy sauce, and everybody around the table are, uh, while everybody around the table are going, <gasps> it's an audible gasp. The point is, though, while she's making these self-deprecating comments, she's no less, pride, uh, no less proud in her heart. Uh, and we do the same, don't we? Many, many Asian parents, when they say, well, my children, no, 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 they're not that smart, or uh, we're not that good at something, or our achievements, oh, that's, not, no, that's nothing. We might say all these things while being immensely proud of our children or of our achievements, of our skills. Often these self-deprecating comments mask the inward pride that's in our hearts. You see, people aren't all that different anywhere. When we look inside, well, there is pride that's lurking in our hearts, in all of us. And we must be careful. We must be careful because its consequences are catastrophic. Take chapter 16, verse 18. Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Nothing less than destruction is promised. Destruction and fall. And you can imagine a circumstance where actually a proud person would fall. Those who don't listen, those who don't learn from their mistakes, and those who don't think that they need other people will often fail. They will come to a situation that they can't handle anymore. I think of my little Barney. Barney, when he loves something, uh, when he loves uh, uh, food that he's eating, he'll just stuff it in his mouth. And, you know, me and Mary will tell, try to tell him, no, don't do that. Just swallow the thing first and then take another bite. And often he'll come to a point where actually it's too full. And he, even though he likes it, he can't swallow it and he has to spit it out. Life is like that, right? Many times, those who refuse to take advice from others, to help from others, those who refuse the fact that they need help from others will 
often fall. It's the way that the world is. But it's not just the way of the world. It's actually the way of the Lord. 16.5, the Lord detests all the proud heart. Be sure of this, they will not go unpunished. You see, the, the, the force of the words here, God hates, he detests all the proud hearts, and they will not go unpunished. And we see examples of this again and again in the Bible. King Nebuchadnezzar, remember in Daniel chapter 4, he whispers in private, is not this the great Babylon that I have built as my royal residence by my great power for the glory of my majesty? And before he can say those words, finishes those words, God strikes him with the disease that makes him look like a cow, behave like a cow. When King Herod didn't glorify God, when somebody said of his voice, this voice, this is the voice of a God, not man. And when he didn't correct him, God struck him dead. And we're warned in Deuteronomy. God says to the Israelites, You may say to yourself, My power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Friends, if you have achieved any kind of success, academic or relational or business or whatever, success, that ability to achieve that success came from God. And we must acknowledge that. And it's not just the ability, the opportunities as well. Take somebody like Jeff Bezos, the CEO of Amazon, the, the richest man right now on earth. Imagine if he were born 100 years back somewhere in Nepal as a cow herder or something, right? Would he be the richest man on earth right now? Of course not. Back then, of course not. The opportunity even is given by God and we must acknowledge that these things come from him because if we don't, we will go punished. Why does, why does God humble the proud like this? Does he just, is he petty? Does he just want all the credit? I don't think it's like that, but here's the thing. God does want to give himself to us. God wants to be in relationship with us, and as long as we say, well, I don't need you, but you're not, the, the, as long as we say our, our chests are puffed up and we say, well, I'm self-sufficient, as long as we don't recognize him as the source of all goodness, then actually we cannot enter into a relationship with this God. Because that's who God is, giver of all good things. <laughs> He's the one who sustains us. He's the one who's given us these abilities and the opportunities. He cannot enter into a relationship with the proud because it conflicts with who God is, his nature. And right now, in his forbearance, he allows us in our delusion to walk around thinking that we are great and powerful. We can be great and powerful apart from him. But that can't go on forever because God will come back to earth as he is in his glory and majesty and wait. And this is what God promises on that day. That at the name of Jesus... Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the Lord, the glory to the glory of God the Father. When, we, when, when the weight of God's glory comes down with Jesus, when Jesus comes back as he is King of kings and Lord of lords, the proud hearts will be crushed. 
The stiff knees that refuse to bend will be bent. And everyone, everyone on earth will acknowledge him as the King of Kings, Lord of Lords. The question is whether we do that voluntarily now or forcibly in the end. Friends, turn to him. While the proud will be crushed, the humble will be lifted up. Those who bend the knee now will be lifted up because we'll be in relationship with this loving king who will give himself to us. But it is hard, right? It is hard to fight our pride. What's the cure? How can we fight our pride? Well, Niels mentioned it, a little bit of it and as, we, as we went to confession. It reminds me of something Winston Churchill said of his rival, Mr. Attlee. Mr. Attlee is a very modest man, he said, and he has a lot to be modest about. Well, if we examine, if we examine our hearts, I'm sure that'll be the conclusion that we will arrive for all of us. We actually have a lot to be modest about. For 20, chapter 20, verse 9, who can say, I have kept my heart pure and I'm clean without sin. You know, I'm most proud. My attention is drawn away from the inward condition of my heart and to something outward. But when I take an honest look at my heart, I find all sorts of sins lying there, the lies that I've told, or the lust that's crouching there, or the embers of, of anger and greed that is ready to, to come inflamed, and I feel small. I know that I don't deserve to be your pastor, and I don't deserve this salvation. So examine the condition of your heart. Another cure is to see the greatness of God, which is to say, to start fearing the Lord. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. It's the beginning of knowledge because it's the beginning of, and, and wisdom because it's the beginning of humility. It's beginning of, of our process to say, actually, I need God. I can't, I'm not self-sufficient. I can't do this by myself. I need God to, to help me. I need to live God's way and not mine. Imagine yourself standing in front of the Grand Canyon People who've been there say that it's unimaginably big. Your eyes are stretched towards the horizon more and more as you can feel yourself growing smaller and smaller. And geographically, these canyons, it geographically is twice as large as Hong Kong. Could you imagine standing in its crevice, seeing all the, uh, the vastness of it, the grandeur of it, and taking it in? Would you say to yourself, man, I am great. I'm all I need. I need to live my way. No, of course not. Pastor John, Wiper, uh, John Piper uh, writes, No one goes to Grand Canyon to increase self-esteem. Why do we go? Because there is great healing for the soul in beholding splendor than there is, uh, there is in beholding the self. Indeed, what could be more ludicrous in a vast and glorious universe like this than a human being on a speck called Earth, standing in front of a mirror trying to find significance in his own self-image? It is a great sadness that this is the gospel of the modern world. Going to a place like Grand Canyon is therapeutic 
because we're reminded there, in a place like there, that meaning and significance and purpose and all that is found in something else, something larger than myself, something that is more great than myself. And that's why the fear of the Lord, that sense of awe, the awesomeness of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom because it makes us run to Him. In front of God, we'll either forget ourselves or think of ourselves, find ourselves as a small speck of sinful dust. And if standing in front of the grand nature, grander of the nature is not enough, go to the cross. Consider the cross. The cross will humble us because there we see a mirror. There we see a mirror of our hearts. We see that our hearts are ugly, like that of a criminal who deserves this crucifixion. But at the same time, we'll also see the vastness of the love of God, the love of God that drowns us, that purifies us, that cleanses us. Love of God that is so vast that we can be lost in that. As we end, uh, let me end with the hymn, the first verse of the hymn that we're about to sing. It goes, here is love, vast as the ocean, loving kindness as the flood. When the prince of life our ransom shed for us his precious blood, who his love will not remember, who can cease to sing his praise, he can never be forgotten throughout heaven's eternal days. Let's pray. Here's love vast as the ocean. Lord, help us to see that love, see the vastness of that love. Lord, cure of us, of our pride. Help us to see your awesomeness. Help us to see uh, your awesomeness and live in humility, in praise and glory of you. In Jesus' name, amen.